Williams at the tailback. They'll hand it off to Williams up the middle. 25. Cuts it inside. 30. 35. 40. There goes Cadillac. To the 50. To the 40. To the 30. To the 20. To the 15. 10. Go crazy, Cadillac. Go crazy. Touchdown. Now they can play a little safer. But they're not going to. Nix is back. Throws it downfield. Caught. Touchdown, Williams. A 20-yard attempt. Josh Harris, the snapper. He'll call to the place. He'll hold it. Byron waits for the snap to the place. There it is. The kick is up. The kick is good. Auburn wins. 22-19. What's going on, everybody? And welcome to another episode of the Auburn Today podcast. As always, my name is Noble. I'm joined here with my co-host, Wheeler. Today, we're going to be breaking down just a little bit of Auburn football. We're going to break down the Auburn-LSU game. We're going to talk about Auburn's upcoming matchup with number two, Georgia, and just kind of break down a little bit of the landscape of the SEC. Obviously, we kind of thought that this was going to be a big week for SEC football. We thought it was going to be a lot of good games. Really didn't. A lot of teams that we thought were kind of in a different tier kind of got brought down to earth so we there just before we get into the the Auburn talk what were kind of your thoughts about with airing how Auburn played against LSU and how Ole Miss and Arkansas played against Alabama and Georgia how do you think Auburn fits in with the mold of the SEC West and the SEC as a whole now as opposed to last week right so last week I I may have gotten a tad emotional about the Georgia State game. I apologize. I do. I do. I was wrong. Um, I will readily admit I went too far with the emotions in the negative direction. I got to – I'm back, all right? So we'll just start off with that. I think that a lot of media and other fans also got carried away with the emotions last week. We, we hype up. Arkansas. All right. We, we hype up the little piggies and it after last weekend, not only did they get absolutely throttled, but the teams that they've beaten before all lost Louisville, Louisville actually looked pretty good in a loss to wake forest. Um, wake forest was at home. I know that doesn't sound impressive. Wake forest is probably going to win the ACC this year. I mean, yeah, Legitimately, but that kind of shows how sad the ACC is. (laughs) Um, For those who have watched QB1, Sam Hartman, actually a little bit of a baller, like kind of killing the game. That was on one of my screens for the 11 o'clock window because all of the other games were just miserable. Um, Arkansas, I don't think 37-0 to is an accurate representation of where they actually are as a program. If you watch the game, basically Georgia comes out, They score a touchdown, first drive. Crowd's really into it. Arkansas goofs on, so they get the ball at the 20. They have, like, back-to-back false start penalties. Get the ball down on the 10. They go, they punt, and he shanks the punt, and so Georgia gets another drive starting at the 40-yard line. Very next drive, Arkansas fumbles the kickoff, but the guy called a fair catch, so when the other guy picks it up, the ball's downed at the five. They do nothing on offense. They get a punt block for a touchdown. It's 21-0, what, like six or seven minutes into the game, and they weren't able to come back. 
Now, here's – I mean, the thing that I think was impressive with Arkansas is the game was 21-0 to zero in the first six minutes, and then it only ended 37-0. to zero. Um, I was a little surprised that Georgia was able to hold the shutout against Arkansas. But also, if you looked at the games that Arkansas won, their offense was never really that dynamic. I mean, it was against Texas, which we've now seen that – I mean, Texas is just kind of a mid-to-low-level team. Um Texas A&M, obviously, very disappointing with the loss over to Moo U. Um, again, I think Jimmy Sexton, I mean, that is the he's the greatest agent in college football because this man got Gus an extension. This guy got Jimbo Fisher an extension for doing nothing right before the season that he knew he was going to tank. Let me just say, if Jimmy Sexton gets your coach an extension and his name is not Nick Saban, just know your team's about to start sucking because Jimmy only goes for the extension when he knows that coach is about to get fired. Uh, brilliant move by him. CBS, I'm sure, is regretting the decision to have primetime be Alabama, Texas A&M. That game may be 28-0 at the end of the first quarter. It's going to be a golly. Jimbo, I mean, he was smack-talking Saban all offseason talking about how he was a big boy now and they were going to they were going to start beating up on Alabama. Uh yeah, that didn't end well. Speaking of people talking about beating up on Alabama, let's grab our popcorn and head over to the old Miss Alabama game. Man, I, you know what I love about Lane Kiffin? He does nothing but talk. But he doesn't like ever back it up. like name one time that Lane Kiffin has talked and actually backed it up. Like, he wasn't that good at Tennessee. He wasn't good at the Raiders. He wasn't good at USC. He got all these recruits to go to FAU, and he still lost. He goes to Ole Miss. He hangs a lot of points on people, but he doesn't win anything. Like, he kind of loses everywhere he goes, but people just think he's like this genius, and then he thinks that it's a good idea to toss the CBS headset and say, grab your popcorn and go for it on fourth down, on every single fourth down. Like, I mean, I understand the point of, like, you know, on that first drive, they went for it on fourth down. And I'm like, yeah, okay, you're not settling for field goals. This man is, like, on his own 25-yard line in the first quarter down seven and going for it. And it's, like, fourth and eight. Like, it was just bad. I mean, just, like, really just – I know analytics have gotten people to do more risky things. There's no way the analytics said that that was a good idea. Absolutely Zero shot. That was what the analytics said. Uh, yeah. Edo. Uh, I was happy to see that Edo was sad. Um, I was proud of Auburn's effort, able to come back. Um, well, before we get into that, what did you think of the SEC layout? Sorry. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I agreed with a lot of what you said. Uh, I think last week on the podcast, I said that it, it kind of seemed like Arkansas and Ole Miss were – kind of in a tier two, kind of by themselves, just like not quite to Georgia and Alabama's level, but better than than the Auburns and the Floridas and all that. But, I mean, right now, I mean, I'm thinking, I'm thinking Florida is one of the better teams, I think, when they're playing their best, you know? Like, obviously, they dropped that game against Kentucky, which, I mean, I think Kentucky's a decent football team. I think they are looking like they'll probably come in second in the West. They'll get destroyed by Georgia. But, I East. mean, yeah, East. Uh I mean, Georgia's got With that big 16, that, that 16, 10 win over South Carolina. I mean, they've, they're winning games though. 
That's yeah, the thing. But, but like, buddy, but who are they buddy. Gonna, who are they going to beat at like they've beaten Florida. They've beaten South Carolina like the other teams in the East are not good. Like Okay, but by Georgia. Kentucky's going to come in second in the East. That is a decent football team. They're not though. The East they is are. just that bad. No, noble. Listen they to these beat, scores. They beat a team. They beat a team that almost beat the best team or the second best team in the country, in my opinion. They beat Missouri by seven. They beat South Carolina by six. They beat Chattanooga by five. And they beat Florida by seven. Their biggest win, their second biggest win this year is against Florida. I'm just saying, man, it doesn't matter. Like, a win is a win. At the end of the day, they're undefeated and they're sitting at second in the East. Like, that's what matters. So I will I, say I, this. They're playing LSU this week, and I could see LSU absolutely going off the rails after what Auburn did to them. So, yeah, that, that kind of goes into my next point. You look at – I mean, Auburn kind of had a repeat of that 2016 game. I mean, both, both teams go in just mad at their coach. Edo's gone. After this year, he's not going to be the head coach at LSU. Especially now, if he loses to Kentucky, he might not make it back to Baton Rouge. I mean, that's – so I, I think that LSU will be looking for a new coach very soon. I don't know. I think, I think you, if they beat Kentucky, I think if they beat uh, Ole Miss, oh the old Lane Train, and maybe pull one out against Arkansas, Ed O will still be there. I just I don't know. I think I think Ed O's gone personally. I don't think there's much he could do short of beating Alabama that will save his job at this point. Um, I think you've got Texas A and M. They're just not good. I mean, simple as that. I've said multiple times that Jimbo Fisher's an overrated coach. He's got 13 more years on his contract. I mean, it's the Jimmy Sexton curse, man. Yeah. I you mean, know Texas when he's going in for an extension that things are about to go bad. Yeah. I mean, A&M's not going to win anything. Uh, he's an agent. Arkansas. For the people that don't know, Jimmy Sexton is like the agent for all of the SEC coaches. It's not just some random some dude. Right. That we're just talking about. Uh, but, yeah, and then you look at Arkansas. I mean, I I think Arkansas looks good. I think they're still a decent team. Um, but I don't think they're that good. And I think that the SEC West is a little bit more open for the second-place spot than we previously thought. Now, with that being said, let's go into the, the Auburn discussion. So, at the end, I mean, I, I would say about 18 minutes into the game, I thought we were one of the worst teams in the SEC West. I really did. We were horrible. That, that, that first 18 minutes was not good. It was not encouraging. I mean, we were down. I thought it was going to get ugly. I did. I was, I was getting worried up in Death Valley that we were about to get run out of the stadium. And I think Butte had, what, like 98 yards on the first drive because there was a penalty that pushed him back. And so he was able to get, like, almost more yards than possible on the field on the first drive. But, like, he had, like, 90-something those- yards on the first drive. Those first drives were reminding me a lot of just Jahan Dot. I mean, I was just getting flashbacks of Jahan Dotson just going off. I mean, I I mean, and that that touchdown, I mean, that touchdown pass, there was, I mean, that was pretty good coverage. Puckett could have gotten his head around a little sooner, but like that was an incredible catch. Uh, and throw. That was probably yeah, I mean the throw that was probably Max Johnson's best throw of the entire night. I mean, that and was I a dive. think this was something that I think Drunk Albee tweeted this, and he just said I don't understand why, but opposing teams – he's like, I feel like we play Aaron Rodgers every week. 
And it's so true because this this year especially, these quarterbacks are not – we have not really played a good quarterback this year. But we have been making all these people look like Joe Montana. And part of that is just they just play really well. And some of it is just we can't get pressure or whatever. But, like, I mean, Max Johnson was slinging it at the beginning of that game. but On the first two drives. The first two drives, yes. And so – we, I, I think that at the beginning of the game, I was not super confident about Auburn's chances, but I did like the fight that Auburn showed. I think that it, it was a good win. It was an emotional win. It was something that we really needed. You look at just kind of the interesting aspects of that were finding a way to win, you know, because that was a game where for the first time since I think it was 94, uh, we had a tight end that had over 100 yards receiving. And our third leading receiver was Tyler Fromm. He had about 40 yards. And so it was – you had Schenker, who led the team in receiving with 102. You had Demetrius Robertson, second on the team, with 60. You had Tyler Fromm with 40. You had Sean Shivers with 38. So you had one receiver that was in your top four of receiving yards. And so obviously that's not ideal, but I think that that shows just kind of – the offense has different wrinkles that they can throw at people. And I think that that is a very useful thing. And it was encouraging to see winning a game, even when the receivers didn't really play their best and we could still win a game using other people. So I was encouraged with uh, that aspect. I thought the pass rush was much improved. Uh, you look at, I think they had, they had three sacks and six hurries. And this is another thing. They had five, the, the team had five pass deflections. And so Colby Wooden had one, Nehemiah Pritchett had one, Roger McCreary had one, Chandler Wooten had one, Smoke Monday had one. And I believe Wooten's and Monday's were both on blitzes. So that was three incomplete passes forced by the defensive line, three sacks by the defensive line, and six QB hurries compared to against Penn State where you had zero sacks, zero passes deflected, and one QB hurry. So that was something that I was encouraged that Derek Mason was able to get the defense to put a little bit of pressure on the quarterback. That's something we've got to see this week against a better offensive line. But I personally was encouraged by that. I was encouraged by the different things that we did with moving Pritchett back to safety so that Smoke Monday didn't have to cover anybody. I thought that was a great move. And the whole bend don't break defense worked pretty well. I I was I was encouraged by the defense, especially in the second half, how the defense played. Um, and a lot of a lot of guys had big games. But Wheeler, what were kind of your thoughts about about the game against LSU? Yeah, I think Romello Height really he was probably the twitchiest guy. It seemed to me like they were watching the film back from Penn State and Georgia State, and they were I mean, they basically probably I mean, this is just my assumption. Romello's probably not the most talented defensive lineman. Like, he's probably not one of the top four most talented, but they were just like, we have to get somebody out there that's fast. And against LSU, it doesn't really matter how sound you are in your run fits because they're not going to run the ball. Um, I'll be interested to see what the defensive line does this week with a little bit more of a balanced um, attack from Georgia that has, you know, some really good running backs um, and who, in my opinion, their run blocking is kind of the strength of their O-line. Um, they've just got some road graders. I mean, if you watch the 
Georgia Arkansas game. It was now granted Arkansas runs a really strange defense where they run like a three man front on every single play, but they like bring linebackers on almost every play too. So they just like load the box with linebackers and you never really know where the pressure is going to come from. Three down linemen. Georgia put on an absolute clinic of getting to the second level, getting to your linebackers and taking them out of the play. Auburn is not going to be able to – I mean, if Georgia is getting to the second level as easily as they were against Arkansas, Auburn's going to be in some trouble because the heart of our defense is the linebackers. Um, but I will say I think our defensive line, while they're typically not the you know most effective pass rushers, um, they are really good at keeping offensive linemen from getting to the second level. Tony Fair. Not necessarily, he's not going to be Derek Brown. He's not going to necessarily cause a pass rush up the middle, but you know what he's going to do? He's going to take up two guys every single time because if you don't, you know, I mean, he's going to clog the hole if you don't give two guys to him. And that allows Zacoby and Owen, hopefully Owen, um, to get downfield and make plays. Uh, I think so. I think Auburn's defensive line actually matches up better against Georgia's even though they're less talented necessarily than Arkansas. It's like traditional, like what you look for out of defensive line, Arkansas has more quick guys, pass rushers, able to make tackles, whereas Auburn is just, I mean, they're not going to be moved. They're really good at their run fits. Um, and who knows, maybe we found a newfound little bit of pass rush. Um, I thought Leota had a good game. Um I said Romello had a good game. Uh, and, yeah, I mean, I thought the defense – I thought the whole defense had a really good game after the first quarter. I am interested – do you think – do you think that Harson is going to the Nick Saban uh, methodology of calling, calling things out in press conferences that maybe are not that big of a deal, but he says it out in public to basically light a fire under the team? My example of this – they ask him about starting slow the past couple of weeks, and he goes on a rant about how there are guys on the team that come every day with their notebooks there, you know, sitting in the film meeting room, paying attention, taking notes. And he said, but the reason we start slow is because we got a bunch of guys on our team that want to go kick their feet up and not have their notebooks out, and the coaches have to keep reminding them to pay attention during film study, and they don't know what's happening. So do you think that that's an actual problem or do you think that that's a – it's the off day, I'm going to say this, fire them up, make them, you know, want to do this? Yeah, I mean, I think I think it's a little bit – I think it's a little bit of both. I feel like there's probably not as much of a – there's probably not as much diversity with the fact of one person, you know, locked in to every word that the coach is saying and one person just not listen to a thing. Now, obviously, I do think there are probably people that are paying attention a little bit more, asking questions, being more engaged. And I think that he's kind of using that, and he is saying that there are players that come in and are sitting there and are paying attention but aren't really think they're not really putting themselves in their place of what they're going to be doing in the game and trying to replicate all that. And I think he's – I do think that he tries to light a fire under these guys and what he says in the press conferences, and that's why he doesn't really sugarcoat stuff in the press conferences. Like, he'll straight up say – yeah, this guy needs to be better than he's being, you know? 
And so I think that he does do that a lot to try and light a fire under the guys. Um, and I think it's working personally. I mean, I think, it, I think it's worked for the first five weeks of the season. I think it's, I think it's worked pretty well. Yeah. Uh, I'm intrigued to see if they're able to come out hot. Um, I thought it was interesting. I really, so I really liked the onside kick coming out of halftime. It lo- it was there. It worked. Auburn just wasn't able to recover. I mean, like it was a good kick. The Auburn guy was in position. He just wasn't able to make the play on the ball. Um, I think it was Robertson um, that wasn't able to handle it. So not really surprised that our receivers couldn't catch it. Maybe we should have put a tight end or a running back at the end of the kickoff team to catch the ball. Um, anyway, yeah. So I like that. But I think Auburn fans need to just be ready for some trickeration and some aggressive play calling. Brian Harson is not a guy that's going to sit back and try to not get blown out. Um, he's going to be the guy that's going for it on fourth down. There was one fourth down. It ended up working out. I think it might have been the drive that – Auburn ended up that Bo had his crazy scramble and throw to Tyler from. But Auburn was on like the 40, their own 48 yard line. And it wasn't like third and one. It was like, I mean, it was almost Lane Kiffin level, if was, I'm not mistaken. It was fourth and three. I believe it was fourth okay. and three. Okay. But still, I mean, fourth and three. It was to three, the point that you can't really run it. You, yeah. you, you had to throw for it. Fourth and three and fourth and six inches. Totally different. And I think that was an area of the field that even on fourth and six inches, a lot of coaches are punting. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, he goes for it at the time. Didn't love the call. Um, I mean, I was happy that it worked out. But, yeah, I mean, he is not – he's not – he's not Gus. And I think that that's good. Um, I think sometimes you got to be smart, but I think sometimes you just got to play to win the game. He's going to run – I think we run two to three trick plays this week on offense, um, just trying to get something because I don't think that the offense is going to be able to create a ton of big plays just doing the normal offense. And, I mean, you know it. If you have one big play, even if that big play is from a trick play, the rest of that drive just seems to click better. Um, so I'd look for some interesting formations uh, – or trick plays to come out. And I wouldn't be shocked to see that onside kick again. Yeah, I, I think it'd be a little surprised. I'd be a little surprised if we kicked an onside and back-to-back uh, games. But I do think with – you look at you look at Boise State football. You look at football that's kind of in that area, non-Power 5. You see teams that – teams like Boise State and like how UCF was before they kind of started winning some games and like – all, the, all those kind of teams that are good, they're good football teams, but they're not power five. When they play teams that are better than them, they do like they do crazy things because they know that the other team is better than them and that to win, they can't just both run their base stuff. If Auburn runs our base offense and base defense and Georgia ran their base offense and base defense, Georgia is winning the game. Auburn can only win this game if we can capitalize on Georgia's mistakes and throw stuff at them that they don't know is coming, get the crowd in, get the players in, all that. And like you look at that, uh, you look at that Boise State, the Boise State Oklahoma Fiesta Bowl. I think it was 2007. And it was 
I mean, Boise State, it was a classic game. It was kind of the game that put Boise on the map. And they had a bunch of trick plays. They had that hook and ladder play to score. And it was like, that's the kind of stuff that you have to do. And that's the kind of stuff that is commonplace in that arena of football. Like, we're, we sit here and we're like, oh, like, he's kicking an onside kick at halftime. He's doing a trick play on the first play of the half. It's like, we don't see that in the SEC a lot. But it's like, this guy isn't an SEC guy. Like, that was, you know, that was the whole thing is he is a different mindset of football and he is applying his mindset into the SEC. And so far, I mean, I mean, so far it hasn't been bad. I mean, it hasn't been bad. That onside kick was there. The trick play against Penn State was there. I mean, if Kobe Hudson doesn't just drop the ball, that's there. I mean, we're going to run trick plays. We're going to run, you know, kind of wacky looking formations and you're going to try and do stuff. When you do that, we do that one play where it's like the fake, the double toss. You don't know where it's going. I mean, that play is our most successful formation, like by far. And because it, it's hard to defend. I mean, exactly. And it's generated a lot of big plays. The linebackers, they either freeze because they don't know what's going on or they guess and they guess wrong or they guess right. If they guess right, you gain four yards and you tip your hat to them. If they guess wrong, you're running for 50. And if they just freeze, you're getting the first down. So, like, if you can run that effectively, that's really good. And so I think that you'll see a lot of stuff like that. You'll see formations that we haven't lined up in this season. You'll see some play action bombs that we haven't seen. You know, a lot of the time we line up in the eye or whatever, we're running the ball. You're going to see some play action. You're going to see some throwing deep. You're going to see some things that we haven't done. You're going to see some aggressive shots. You're going to see some aggressive play calling because Brian Harson wants to win this game and Georgia is a better football team than we are. And it's not debatable. We have to beat these guys by doing things that they don't see coming and doing things that can spark momentum and create just energy around the team. Yeah, and I, I, I think during the Penn State game, like, people got all fired up about the trick plays because they were like, we're Auburn, we shouldn't have to run trick plays. And I'm like, okay, well, the reality of the situation is they're better. Same with Georgia. Like, I know we don't want to say it, but, like, their recruiting is significantly better than ours. And it's not just a Brian Harson problem. Like, he just got here. That's not even his thing. In fact, his recruiting is actually kind of cranking up, especially sounds like Drew Bobo is going to be an Auburn commit probably on Saturday. Um, not – I mean, that's – here's the thing. Drew, what is he, a three-star tackle? It's not necessarily – Hill, it's the you're starting to get the momentum going and you're starting to get Auburn High School back because when Gus was here, did we have a single player from Auburn High School that was not a walk on? Not that I can play? think of on the top of my head, but. yeah. Okay, so that's the thing is you've got uh, what's the other guy? Uh, you've he's got like uh, the defensive player, Powell Gordon, Powell or... Gordon, yeah, yeah, he's coming, okay, and he's kind of. Uh, Eston Harris is also a big, big Auburn target. So that's three guys that are at Auburn High School that are looking favorable for Auburn. Yeah, and so that – I mean, that's building a pipeline in the city that you're in. That's what's more important. But also, I mean, I don't think that Bobo is necessarily bad. I mean, it's better than picking up grad transfers from Akron, in my opinion. I mean, at least you're starting to develop guys in your own program. Um. So, I don't know. Recruiting's starting to pick up, I feel like. Um, really good visitor list uh, coming up this weekend. A lot of four and five stars. 
if they're able to pull it out, I mean, if Auburn's able to win the game, the environment's going to be crazy the whole time. I mean, just like 2017. Um, obviously, if Georgia's taking our soul, it's probably not going to be, you know, the most fun environment to watch a game in. Um, I'm also interested to see how the Auburn players respond. It seems like the Georgia players have been very, very confident uh, about the game this week. Uh, more so than I feel like they even have – like, I didn't I, – I don't feel like I've heard a lot of smack from Georgia players like the past two weeks. I think it's interesting. Kirby really hates Auburn, though. Like – Yeah. I think Kirby yeah. hates Auburn more than any team ever. He used to hate Gus. He hates Auburn. But, I mean, he played at Georgia. I can see why he doesn't like Auburn. Um, he doesn't like that they show the video of him getting – Mac truck every time he comes to the stadium, but that's my favorite part of when Georgia comes to town personally. But yeah, I mean, I, I think that I agree. I think that, you know, obviously, uh, what's his name? Kiaris Jackson, I believe is his name. Uh, I remember that name when I saw, you know, his little, his the little quote that people were retweeting all that, which he was, he was definitely misquoted on that in, in the tweet. But if you actually listen to the interview, he he wasn't really talking like a ton of trash. He was just kind of saying what any Georgia player would say in the moment. Uh, but I remembered his name because he was the guy that just, I mean, opened us up inside last last year. I mean, we had never heard of him. Comes out, has like 150 receiving yards, and George Pickens had like 20. And it was just like, why can we not stop this guy? Who is this guy? And so the guy's name was just boiled into my mind. Uh, and hopefully we can, you know, and that, that's another thing that's kind of up in the air is the availability of JT Daniels for Saturday. Um, I think that it'll, it'll affect how they kind of run their offense. But, I mean, we made Stetson Bennett look like Joe Montana last time we played him. So they're going to run the ball. I think that the biggest, the biggest key for us is if Owen Papo can play on Saturday. He's listed as a game-time decision right now. Um, I personally don't think we can win this game if we don't have Owen Papo. I mean, I I personally don't think we're going to win this game, even if we're full strength. But I don't see a scenario where we can beat them if we don't have Owen playing, personally. Uh, I think that Zykevious Walker is going to be a help coming back as a run-stopping kind of defensive end kind of guy. We're going to need that. Uh, obviously the availability of TD Moultrie is up in the air, but I think that Owen Papo is definitely the most important guy that we could have to stop just this really good Georgia ground game. Yeah. Uh, I'm not as concerned about the defense necessarily um, stopping Georgia. I think, I mean, I think they'll get some points, but I, I don't think that the Georgia offense is necessarily that much more dynamic than the Penn state uh offense was uh their defense though it's very concerning uh, i could see a situation where auburn doesn't score an offensive point i could see a shot yeah yeah i mean i think i think it's difficult to get i mean auburn hadn't been shut out i think since that 2012 iron bowl uh i think this seems better than that 2012 team i think we get on the board I think at home, I think we get on the board. But, I mean, yeah, I definitely agree that, I mean, this Georgia defense is – look. I mean, historic. looking at, like, historically – 
Yes, this is a historically great defense. Um, I think it was the uh, – I saw something and it was like – it was some stat. And it was like the only other defenses that have ever done that was like 2007 LSU, 2011, and 2012 Alabama. And so it was just like, you know, really good company. And obviously Georgia hasn't really played a fantastic offense yet. Uh, but, I mean, the thing is, Auburn's not exactly a fantastic offense. Well, they and haven't so, played a top 80 offense. Yeah, so um, they haven't played a fantastic offense. Yeah, well, I mean, they haven't played a – I would say Auburn is a halfway decent offense. I think when Auburn can do what they like to do, we're a halfway decent offense. But the thing is, I don't see us running the ball at all against Georgia. I think that our if our backs are going to get yards, I think it's going to be by throwing it to them. Like I don't think we will be able to run the ball on Georgia at all. Personally, I, here's the here's the thing. In the I know it was Akron, the receivers like caught the ball against them. So we know that it is possible for them to have a game where they don't just drop it all the time. Even in the LSU game, there were several drops. If they can just hold on to the ball when it hits them in the hands, I think that we have a better chance of running the ball. Because think about, I mean, even John Samuel Schenker had the first 100-yard game in forever, and he had, what, like three drops? Yeah. I mean, and I know he's not a receiver, but still – Kobe Hudson, he probably had like a 25-yard gain that was wide open, hit him in the hands, dropped it. Yeah, Kobe had a rough game, definitely. Then he made the amazing, you know, diving backwards catch, and you're just like, literally, how did you catch that? And you you can't catch the ones that hit you in the hands. Because, I mean, Kobe's going to be your number one guy. I mean, did Shedrick even play? Yeah, I think he did. We we moved a lot of guys around. I do know that we. Uh, I know Xavion had a catch. Um, I mean, it was like sure, musical chairs at the receiver position, which I think it will be again. I think it will be again this week. Um, yeah, I know. I, I'm pretty sure. Shedrick, I know Shedrick played. He did not record. He did not record a catch though. Uh, or no, he had. So he had one catch. I'm looking at it right now. He had one catch for seven yards. Xavion had one catch for seven yards. Kobe had one catch for 20 yards. Robertson had six catches for 60 yards. And that was all the receivers that caught a pass. Yeah. So, uh, the team's getting better. I just don't know if they're ready to knock off the number two team. But also, I just get strong 2009 Iron Bowl vibes from this. Where if you get a couple up, well, no, was mouthing to me. We lost. This defense is better than the 2009 defense. You were competitive in the game to the point where yes, it came we down were. to the fourth quarter is what I mean. Same thing. That offense, not good enough to do anything on that on that Alabama defense. So they they scored straight up on the first drive from your scripted plays. They hit an onside kick, and then they do some reverse or something to Terrell to Zachary. Terrell Zachary, yeah. Score, it's 14-0. Crowds into it. You have a cushion. You play bad the rest of the game and try and hold on. And you lose it on the very last drive. So Now, now I will say, I think that I don't think – I don't – I personally, and I'm I'm in the minority in this, I don't think Kirby Smart is that great of a coach. I think he's a pretty darn good coach, but I don't think he's that much different from Mark Rick when Rick was at Georgia. He's a whole lot better of a recruiter. 
that 09, but that 09 Iron Bowl, you know, it, it was Alabama. Alabama knows they're a professional team and they could come back. They could stay Kirby in the game. Smart, DC. Yes, but Kirby, it, it was Saban's team. It's it Saban runs that. I mean, Saban runs the program. Yes. If Kirby, if a Kirby team, especially this team that hasn't had any adversity all season, I think that if we jump out to a 14 to nothing lead against these guys, I don't know how they're going to respond to that, especially if it's a guy like Stetson Bennett who isn't really the kind of guy that is a get-you-back-into-the-game kind of quarterback. No. I mean, he is a don't-mess-up-and-let-everybody-else-do-their-job-and-we'll-win-the-game. But if it's Stetson Bennett, I mean, and we jump out to a 14 nothing lead, like these guys, I, I don't – I think that we would win the game if we jump out to a 14 nothing lead, have the crowd into it. I don't think that this Georgia team would come back from that. I don't think a Kirby-led team would do that especially with the composition of how this team is personally. Now, this teams do typically I, don't do well down. Exactly. And so I'm just saying like I think that there are there are definitely things we can do to win this game. And you know, at the end of the day, it's college football, anything can happen. I don't think we'll win this game personally. But there is a possibility of winning this game and there are a couple things that Auburn could do where I could see a situation where this game is a lot closer than it should be. So my personal prediction is I could see us, I could see us losing a game late. I could see us, I mean, maybe, maybe winning a game at the last second. Um, or I could see us losing by 17 points. So I think it's going to be an interesting game. Uh, Jordan here is going to be rocking. I think that it's going to be, I, I think this is a game where you throw out all the stops and you do all you can to win this game. Uh, but regardless of how this game goes, I do think that Auburn stands a chance with the rest of the SEC. I don't think we're going to win the SEC. I don't think we're going to do an SEC championship for the playoff. But I do think that this year we could still realistically finish second in the West. Yeah. So that's kind of my my thought process. So either what are you kind of thinking about this game? Do you think we'll win? Do you think we'll lose? What do you think is going to happen uh, on Saturday? I think we win a close game. Uh, even if we don't win, I hope that the offense is able to score a few points. That way we don't have to go through this whole quarterback controversy thing again. Um, I mean, we said on the podcast last week, we were really happy that TJ came in and won the game against Georgia State. We love TJ and the fact that, you know, the work he's putting in for Auburn. But to say that he's better than Bo Nix or to chant his name is just absurd. Um. Bo showed that this week. Hopefully, the student section doesn't boo Bo Nix when he gets introduced. But knowing Auburn fans, they'll probably, you know, cheer the loudest for Bo Nix because he did well last week. And then they'll start booing him if we don't Five score a touchdown on the first in the first on the first possession. Um, sometimes, yeah, yeah, whatever. Anyway, yeah, uh, twenty-seven, twenty-one. Auburn over Georgia. You heard it here first, folks. Yeah. So uh, I would just like to use this time to mention that last year. That's two field week, goals. Two field goals. Last, two field goals. Last week, we either did not think we would win another game and that he thought we were going to get blown out by LSU in Death Valley. And now he's predicting us to beat the number two team in the country. Okay. Now, no, I no, just think listen. that just expresses Weather's fandom. And how if he went, I mean, 
if Auburn wins a game, he's back on the train. I mean, Wheeler Wheeler's just kind of opinion on Auburn football is how all a lot of Auburn fans are. It's when you're down, you're as down as you can get, and as soon as something can pick you back up, you are back riding on cloud nine. It's a drug, man. Here's <laughs> here's here's my rationale though. Can you listen to me? I'll listen to you. All right. You score one touchdown in the first half on offense, one touchdown in the second half on offense. That is a low expectation. Would you agree? No, not not for this week. I don't think that's a low expectation. You think scoring two touchdowns in a game is not a low expectation? No. If we scored, if we scored 17 to 20 points in this game, I would be a little, I would be surprised. I don't think we I think that 10 is the highest we get this week personally. All right. Well, I got us getting a touchdown in each half. I got us getting a special teams or defensive touchdown. I could see a special teams touchdown. I definitely could. And then two field goals. All right. All right. So here you go. You do one of those, you know, the one the the punts where they they run the guy off and everybody follows him and then your gunner goes and catches the punt and returns it for a touchdown. If that happens, will you those. hey, if we run that play, will you buy me cheese fries at Outback? Yes, I will, because we are not going to run that play. I don't think that we have a dynamic I don't think we have a dynamic enough return guy. I mean, I think that if we're getting I think that if we get a special teams touchdown, I think it's on a punt block because I personally think that's one of the best units we have uh you know Barton Lester big time player shows up in big time games one of the most clutch performers we have if we run that play and you're listening to this podcast we'll post the Venmo on the account (laughs) so you can pay for my cheese fries too it's gonna happen just watch I promise it's gonna happen they are going to run a wait can I can I widen the base for the cheese fries? You can no? widen the base however you want because I don't think any of this is happening. They are going to run a fake either punt return or kick return where it's like a re- like they're going to run a reverse or a throwback or a I could see I could see us it. doing it. Yeah, I could see a, I could see us doing it on the kickoff a little bit more than the punt. I don't think we'll score on it though. Why didn't oh, say speak, score? Sp- Okay, you kind of did. You said a special teams touchdown. Okay, okay, whatever. But that's not for cheese fries. Cheese fries is they run it. Winning the game is they score on it. We'll see. We'll see. That way I win either way. Yeah. I need you to agree. I need you to agree to it on camera. I will say, I think that Auburn fans everywhere just had an absolute just mini heart attack. In about, I think it was about the third of the fourth quarter when I'm oh pretty gosh. sure I'm pretty sure it was Pritchett and he catches I it. it was Kaufman. I'm pretty yeah, sure. Yeah, it it, yeah, it was Kaufman. And so he just stands there and he just kind of stands there. No one does anything. The LSU guys run in the end zone. And the funniest thing was he's walking out and the ref blows the whistle. And then he hears the whistle and he's like, oh shoot, like I got to take a knee. And then he takes a knee. He was out of the end zone from what I could see. It did not look like. It should have been a touchback. I think they gave us a touchback because the ref knew that he blew the whistle. But so I'm pretty sure just... the rule is that if you stand and you do not make a football move, 
after you catch the ball in the end zone, it's a touchback. Okay. You don't have to take a knee in college football for it to be a touchback, which is why it was a touchback. Okay, gotcha. I was just happy that Kaufman didn't just throw it back to the ref like happened. I think it was that Georgia Tech. I think it was Georgia Tech versus Clemson a couple years ago, and the guy did it, and he just threw it back at the ref, and Clemson picked it up in the end zone for a touchdown. And that just would have been the most Auburn way to blow a game in Death Valley. I think it was it was either 2011 or yeah no it would have been 2011 Alabama uh, ran it out of the end zone and then took it back and they did not call it a safety. Look it up. Yeah, I do. I remember that play a little bit, but yeah. Yep. So anyway, hopefully Auburn doesn't have any big time special teams, just boneheaded plays. Um, you know, hopefully, obviously, we hope Bo Nix can, you know, replicate a little bit of his Johnny Manzelness that he had against LSU. Um, but yeah, I mean, honestly, the biggest thing, if we can just establish establish an offense, get some points on the board, get some momentum, uh, the game might be a little closer than we think, and we could maybe hit Georgia in the mouth and kind of kind of freeze them a little bit. So we'll see. We'll see how all that works out. Um, yeah. So that's kind of it. Uh, obviously next week we'll be back to break down the Georgia game and I believe we, we've got Arkansas next Saturday, if I'm not mistaken, right? You're correct. So we'll be breaking down that Arkansas game, uh, be kind of comparing just how both teams played against Georgia. Um, but yeah, so as always, if you have any questions or comments, feel free to DM the page and we will see y'all next week. War Eagle. War Eagle, War Cheese Fry.